Rots a righteousness tends to be long. So keep your love on, on. Welcome to the Get Your Love On podcast. Our mission to share God's love through the truth of His Word. In each episode, we learn how to simply walk with God every day. This podcast punts phony religion and offers real salvation through Jesus Christ of Nazareth. It's straightforward and it's straight from the Word. We have free resources for you at getyourloveon.org. That includes a free video series to bless you, free Bible studies to strengthen you, and of course, we'd always love to hear from you. You can contact us at getyourloveon.org. We have an amazing episode, so let's Let's go. Keep your love on, child. Let it shine bright, bright, bright. Keep your love on, on, on. Let's start in Acts 20, 32. It's, and now, brethren, I commend you to God and to the word of his grace, which is able to build you up and give you an inheritance among all them which are sanctified. God is an amazing giving God. And today's show, we will discuss some of the incredible things that God gives. In fact, God gives us peace and rest. Matthew 11, 28. It says, Come unto me, all ye that labor and are heavy laden, and I will give you rest. Jeremiah 29, 11, For I know the thoughts that I think towards you, saith the Lord, thoughts of peace and not of evil, to give you an expected end. What is that expected end that God wants to give us? It's that eternal life. It's that sanctification, which means to become holy. It means it's that rest that God wants for us. John 14, verse 27, this is Christ speaking. Peace I leave with you. My peace I give unto you, not as the world giveth, give I unto you. Let not your heart be troubled, neither let it be afraid. In the world, sometimes people do what they say they're going to do, and sometimes they don't. But with Christ, he always delivers on his promise. That's why he said that. That's why he said, look, don't look at the world's transactions and use that as your expectation. God allows us to expand our expectations to eternal heights and eternal depths. It's so beautiful. So I'm going to read that one more time. John 14, 27. Peace I leave with you. My peace I give unto you. Not as the world giveth, give I unto you. Let not your heart be troubled, neither let it be afraid. So that's our job. That's instruction from Christ is to rest on him, rest in him, and then our heart won't be troubled and we won't ever be afraid. John 14, verse 16. This is Christ speaking again. And I will pray the Father, and he shall give you another comforter, that he may abide with you forever. Again, that eternal gift from God Almighty. 2 Thessalonians three sixteen. Now the Lord of peace himself give you peace Always, by all means, the Lord be with you all. Don't you love the totality of God and how complete his works are? (laughs) He gives us peace always, by all means. So if if you're seeking peace, if you want peace in your life, the word of God is the place to find it. Because he just said that. 
Now the Lord of peace himself give you peace always, by all means, in all circumstances, no matter if our heart is is breaking because of some circumstances that we just found out about. Okay, Lord, give me peace in this. Lord, show me what you're doing. Give me peace, Lord. I know that says in your word that you'll give me peace by all means. And the Lord is with all of us who seek him, that are in his word. You know, you have to be reading the word to be able to read 2 Thessalonians 3.16, right? To be able to read the Lord be with you all. So let's make sure we're doing that. I know a lot of, you know, I, I believe it was 1964 that the Bible was taken out of the, the schools. And since then, we've seen a significant and precipitous decline in our nation's culture and values. And the Lord is very interested in restoring that and restoring the family, restoring hope and restoring this peace in the hearts and minds of all those that have been robbed of it for so many years. So God gives us peace and rest. God also gives us wisdom and understanding, a sound mind. Isn't that wonderful? This is in Luke 21, 15. For I will give you a mouth and wisdom, which all your adversaries shall not be able to gainsay nor resist. Oh, this is beautiful. So if you are in the midst of a, of a battle, whatever that may be, or if you're, you're feeling an attack, you have perfect liberty and authority of God to read this out loud. Lord, give me a mouth and wisdom, which all my adversaries shall not be able to gainsay nor resist. That's a wonderful promise of God. That's again, Luke 21, 15. Proverbs 4, 2 says, For I give you good doctrine, forsake not my law. That's right. When we listen to the Lord, when we heed these scriptures, when we allow the scriptures to just, when we meditate on these scriptures and we take our time with that quietness of mind and that quietness of heart, and we're able to just allow the scriptures to do the work in our life, then we will recognize it as very good doctrine and our life will prosper in this, these wonderful promises of God Almighty. Jeremiah 3.15 says, And I will give you pastors according to mine heart, which shall feed you with knowledge and understanding. That's another promise of God. So no matter where you are, this is a promise of God for you, whether you're in Poland or Ireland, Mongolia, Tennessee, Virginia, Oregon. This is a promise of God to give you a pastor, that leader, that person that can feed you with knowledge and understanding. And if you need anything, we are here for you. So please reach out to getyourloveon.org and we can help connect you to the family of faith. We had a young man just yesterday that chose to get baptized. He reached out, got connected to the family of faith, and now, boom, the Lord has him off on a grand adventure, an incredible journey of discovery and prosperity and life evermore. There's nothing more exciting. There's nothing more wondrous than that. So just rest assured, my dear friend, that God will give you pastors according to his heart which shall feed you with knowledge and understanding. What else does this mean? It means that if your current state, if the, the current pastors that you go to or if the current church are not feeding you 
with knowledge and understanding, God has something better. So keep seeking, keep reaching out, keep pursuing God and rest in his promises that he will, he will give you that perfect knowledge and understanding. We can't settle for anything less than everything God has for us. Why would we want to? We're going through some of the things that he promises, the peace, the rest, the, the sound mind, and, uh, and of course, instruction and understanding and knowledge. We all want that. God also gives us a renewed heart. If our hearts have been broken, if our hearts have been um, mishandled, or if we've been betrayed at any point, that's happened to probably 99.9% of us on this planet, in this flesh. But God gives us a renewed heart. This is Ezekiel 36, 26. A new heart also will I give you, and a new spirit will I put within you. That's the Holy Spirit that's in the New Testament. This Ezekiel prophecy is foreshadowing that. So when we're baptized and filled with the Holy Spirit, that's fulfilling this prophecy right there. And I will take away the stony heart out of your flesh, and I will give you a heart of flesh. The Lord will give us that beating heart that pulses to seek him and to know his ways and to be so enthusiastic in discovering more about God. I love that about the Lord. I love how how he appreciates that enthusiasm and that vigor and that tenacity to seek him. In fact, he appreciates it so much, God gives us all things, all things. This is Romans 8, 32. It says, He that spared not his own son, but delivered him up for us all, how shall he not with him also freely give us all things? <laughs> That's a, Paul, Apostle Paul, it's a wonderful question. Thank you for bringing it up. And it is a rhetorical one for sure, because of course God is going to give us all things. In fact, he gives us the entire kingdom. This is Luke 12, verse 32. Fear not, little flock, for it is your father's good pleasure to give you the kingdom. Isn't that beautiful? And that includes land. That includes um, possessions and, and a place of your own a place of your own. In Leviticus 25, 38, it says, I am the Lord your God, which brought you forth out of the land of Egypt. So once we say, Lord, I want you, Christ, you are my Lord and Savior. I want to get baptized. I want to be filled with the Holy Spirit. The Lord is then bringing us out of that land of Egypt, out of that slavery to sin. Once we're buried with him in baptism and we're raised in that resurrection power, we don't sin anymore. That's what it says in 1 John. For whosoever is born of God doth not commit sin, for his seed remaineth in him that he cannot sin. It's a beautiful working, and it's by God's might that that is accomplished, that we are brought from the land of Egypt, that slavery to the flesh, that slavery to sin. That, again, is a, um, a foreshadowing of what Christ does, is he brings us out of the land of Egypt and out of that slavery to sin. And it says here in Leviticus 25, 38, I'll, re- I'll start again. I am the Lord your God, which brought you forth out of the land of Egypt to give you the land of Canaan and to be your God. Isn't that beautiful? So not only does the Lord bring us out of that 
slavery to sin and that bondage, but he also gives us the promises. He gives us the promised land. That's beautiful. The Lord also delivers us the battle. This is 1 Samuel seventeen forty seven, And all this assembly shall know that the Lord saveth not with sword and spear, for the battle is the Lord's, and he will give it into our hands. The Lord gives it to us. It's so wonderful to have that confidence and to walk every day of this life with outstanding victory and confidence in God's delivering of the battle every time. And how about this? This is John chapter 3, verse 35. The Father loveth the Son and hath given all things into his hands. So when we are baptized and filled with the Holy Spirit, we have Christ within our hope of glory. And so if the Father gave Christ all things into his hands and Christ is within our hope of glory, guess what that gives us? All the promises of God directly into your soul promise of God right there. Isn't that beautiful? Why would we settle for anything less? Why would anyone settle for anything less? Let's make sure we don't. Let's make sure that our friends and family know this and don't settle. Don't allow Satan to diminish anything that God has rightly given those that seek him. So the other thing God gives, this is so incredible. God gives power. Luke 10 Verse 19, behold, I give unto you power to tread on serpents and scorpions and over all the power of the enemy and nothing shall by any means hurt you. (laughs) This is amazing. God gives us power and we have further instruction today from a beautiful man of God whose name is Timothy. And just like the namesake in the word, Tim is what we so fondly refer to him as, um, was also raised as a young boy with unfeigned faith. And so you're about to hear this message from our beloved friend Tim on the transferable power of God. Turn up your volume. You're not going to want to miss a word from this wonderful man of God. Uh, Greetings, everyone. Peace from God the Father and our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ of Nazareth. Um, My message today is titled, The Transferable Power of God. And I'm going to speak about where power comes from, uh, the great security that it provides for us, and also how God has transferred it to us. I'm going to be reading out of the King James Version of the Bible. Uh, It is the best tool for the job. And what I mean by that is, is that it is the closest to the original transcripts. And there is a, a, an importance in that, very much so. The Word says that Christ was the Word made flesh. So, to back up what you get out of His words, wouldn't you want to have the Word of God that has the absolute power that comes along with it? That's how we've been taught, and that's how we will continue. Okay, so I'm going to start off with where power comes from. And I'm going to start in Psalm 62, verse 11. And it says this, God hath spoken once, twice have I heard this, that power belongeth unto God. That's pretty straightforward. Uh, But what it really means there is that it doesn't belong to anything or anyone else. It only belongs to God. It's his, 
that belonging there, it means it's fully his, fully his to use. And again, it does not belong to anything or anyone else other than the Lord himself. To back that up, we'll go into Romans 13.1. It says, Let every soul be subject unto the higher powers, for there is no power but of God. The powers that be or are ordained of God. So this is referring to uh, authorities, people in places of power. The only reason that they're in those positions is because the Lord himself has deemed them to be there. Uh, and they would be wise to uh, give the Lord uh, credit and reverence in that, in that they do have a place of power. Uh, Jesus knew this himself. In John 19.11, Jesus answered, Thou couldst have no power at all against me, except it were given thee from above. Therefore he that delivered me unto thee hath the greater sin. Yeah, Jesus came from the Father. He knew where that true power came from. He also gave the Lord God the Father the honor in that as well. Uh, Matthew 26.53 uh, This is referring to Jesus was about to be taken by the Pharisees at this time. Uh, and Peter had just come and sliced uh, the ear off of one of those guys there. And uh, the Lord told him to put his sword away. And this is what he said to Peter in that instance. He said, Thinkest thou that I cannot pray to my father, and he shall presently give me more than twelve legions of angels? Again, this was the Lord's time. It was him going to the cross. He had to suffer those things uh, to put the sin of man under once for all. And basically, he was saying to Peter there, I have limitless power, but this has to be done so that all righteousness is being fulfilled here. A legion of angels, a legion in the Roman army in Christ's time was 6,200 footmen and also 300 horsemen. So 12 legions of angels would have been 78,000 angels. It's innumerable, really. But that's the power he had at the blink of an eye. But again, Jesus knew what his time was here. Again, he gave the Lord the credit, even him being from the Lord, he still gave the Lord that due. Uh, John 5.30 says, I can of my own self, this is Jesus speaking again, do nothing of my own self, referring to this flesh, right? The human mind. As I hear, I judge, and my judgment is just, because I seek not mine own will, but the will of the Father which hath sent me. See, he knew that it was the Lord's doing. He gave the Lord um, the great honor in that because he was an example. He was here to show us that great example of how we should be on this earth. And, you know, the Lord actually, speaking of Jesus Christ, did very little actually in the flesh. Most of what the Lord did while he was here on the earth was of the Holy Spirit, was of the power of God. Uh, and a few more examples. I'm going to go on here with different ones who gave the Lord that credit where credit was due. They knew where that great power came from. Acts 3.12 And when Peter saw it, he answered unto the people, Ye men of Israel, why marvel ye at this? Or why look ye so earnestly on us, as though by our own power or holiness we have made this man to walk? Yeah, good question. See, this was after the day of Pentecost had fully come. This is now the converted Peter. He knew where true power came from. 
and uh, he was giving, putting this question to them. He knew where it was from. John the Baptist uh, said this in John 3.27. John answered and said, A man can receive nothing except it be given him from heaven. Now that covers natural things. It also covers things of the Spirit as well. But he knew that it came from the Lord. Even the, the things that we see and that pertain into this life. And the word for that is in Ecclesiastes chapter 3, verse 13. It says, And also that every man should eat and drink and enjoy the good of all his labor. It is the gift of God. Uh, and again in Ecclesiastes 5.19, Every man also to whom God hath given riches and wealth and hath given him power to eat thereof and to take his portion and to rejoice in his labor, this is the gift of God. Yeah. Every breath we take, every heartbeat we have, it is all the gift of God. And he gives this to us liberally. Um, in Ephesians 4.8, the end part of that scripture, it says, And he gave gifts unto men. Uh, also Romans 11.29, For the gifts and calling of God are without repentance. Now, if you're in a position of this, if your gifts have given you riches and wealth, there's no harm in that. Just give God the due glory he deserves for giving you that gift. Thank him for it and just go on. He'll bless you even all the more for it. Just don't forget where it comes from. That's what the Lord wants you to know. Uh, and other, one more example here of a man giving God the honor, knowing where that power came from. Uh, real quick, Genesis 41, 16, speaking of Joseph, says, And Joseph answered Pharaoh, saying, It is not in me. God shall give Pharaoh an answer of peace. See, Joseph had the faith, and then he used his works, right? And that enacted that power of God. But he still gave the Lord the glory and the credit due. He, all these different examples, they all gave the credit to where it was due. And that's through God the Father. Okay, so the word power and the meaning of it, back in Psalm 62, 11, in the Hebrew, is from a root that means to be stout, literally or figuratively. Harden, impudent, prevail, strength and self, be strong. And it actually means strength in various applications. Force, security, majesty, praise. It also means boldness, loud, might, power, strength and strong. So, God's power is limitless. It's hard to really put it in a nutshell, it's hard to even expound on what the power of God is, right? We can't really fully describe it. What we can do is give a comparison, though. So I tried to look up a comparison between the power of God from what visually we've seen and compare it to what man has. So that's how I'll attempt to give a little, just a little taste of what God's power is here. So, in, in shows of force, in, in the destructive nature, right? So here's a little excerpt on volcanic eruptions. In 1980, Mount St. Helens released 24 megatons of thermal energy. To put that in context, that's equivalent to 1,600 times the size of the atomic bomb that was dropped on Hiroshima. 1,600 times. Doesn't compare, right? Atomic nuclear capabilities, they're nothing to 
you know, shake a stick at. They are very serious forces, but compared to the power of God, they just, they don't, they don't compare. This was actually an example of a class five eruption. So just like um, earthquakes have a Richter scale, there's something called the volcanic explosivity index, <laughs> and it measures the force of a volcano. Now this index goes up to eight, and a class eight volcano are called mega colossal eruptions. Class eight supervolcanoes are extremely rare. When they go off, more than a thousand cubic kilometers of rock and ash are ejected. The planet's climate is affected and mass extinctions occur. These are like the, the end all type things right here. So to put that into context, the US and Russia would have to use their entire nuclear arsenals simultaneously to get anywhere close to that kind of energy release. Simultaneously. Think about that. The combined nuclear arsenal of Russia and the United States. And the kicker is that the time, if the volcano goes on longer, then it doesn't compare. It doesn't even come close. So that's kind of a little taste of the power of God that I can explain to you compared to the power of man. Now, the other thing visually that we see are miracles. Miracles are the dunamis power of the Holy Spirit at work. So you may have heard of the word dunamis before. It comes from a root word in the Greek that's dunamai, which is, means to be able or possible. To be able, can do, could, may, might, be possible, be of power. And the word dunamis is a force specifically of miraculous power. Well, that sounds a whole lot like God. A miraculous power that can do or be able to do anything, right? Matthew 19.26 says, But Jesus beheld them and said unto them, With men this is impossible, but with God all things are possible. Yeah. So we're going to look at an example of a miracle, uh, specifically with the power of God, with specific reference to um, the, his strength of force, security, majesty, and praise, just like the word power is described there. So we're going to turn to Exodus 14, and we're going to go through the miracle of the Lord parting the Red Sea. So in verse 1, And the Lord spake unto Moses, saying, Speak unto the children of Israel, that they turn and encamp before Pihatharoth, between Migdal and the sea, over against Baal-Zephon. Before it shall ye encamp by the sea. For Pharaoh will say of the children of Israel, They are entangled in the land, and the wilderness hath shut them in. Remember, this is the Lord speaking here. He was, he was drawing. There was something bigger going on here. He was enticing, drawing Pharaoh into a trap here. And in verse 4 it says, And I will harden Pharaoh's heart, that he should follow after them. And I will be honored upon Pharaoh and upon all his host, that the Egyptians may know that I am the Lord. And they did so. Verse 5, And it was told the king of Egypt that the people fled. And the heart of Pharaoh and his servants was turned against the people, and they said, Why have we done this? What have we let Israel go from serving us? And he made ready his chariot and took his people with him. And he took six hundred chosen chariots and all the chariots of Egypt, and captains over every one of them. 
And the Lord hardened the heart of Pharaoh king of Egypt, and he pursued after the children of Israel. And the children of Israel went out with a high hand. But the Egyptians pursued after them all the horses and chariots of Pharaoh, and his horsemen, and his army, and overtook them, encamping by the sea beside Pehatharoth before Baal-Zephon, just like the Lord had said to do here. And when Pharaoh drew nigh, the children of Israel lifted up their eyes, and behold, the Egyptians marched after them, and they were sore afraid, and the children of Israel cried out unto the Lord. Uh-oh, a little bit of spirit of fear got in here. And let's keep in mind that they had just all witnessed all the miracles that were done at the hand of Moses to allow them to leave. So they, uh, they lost sight of things quite quickly here. But the Lord was going to do this despite of that. Verse 11, And they said unto Moses, Because there was no graves in Egypt, hast thou taken us away to die in the wilderness? Wherefore hast thou dealt thus with us to carry us forth out of Egypt? Yeah, they were really kind of in shambles over this thing here. Not sure what to do, a little, uh, a little scared of the times they were in, perhaps. Verse 12, Is not this the word that we did tell thee in Egypt, saying, Let us alone, that we may serve the Egyptians? For it had been better for us to serve the Egyptians than that we should die in the wilderness. Yeah, they're not. They're not holding on to much here. Verse 13, And Moses said unto the people, Fear ye not, stand still, and see the salvation of the Lord, which he will show to you today. For the Egyptians whom you have seen today, he sh ye shall see them no more forever. The Lord shall fight for you, and ye shall hold your peace. And the Lord said unto Moses, Wherefore criest thou unto me? Speak unto the children of Israel, that they go forward. But lift thou up thy rod, and stretch out thine hand over the sea, and divide it and the children of Israel shall go on dry ground through the midst of the sea. And I, behold, I will harden the heart of the Egyptians, and they shall follow them, and I will get me honor upon Pharaoh, and upon all his hosts, upon his chariots, and upon his horsemen. And the Egyptians shall know that I am the Lord, when I have gotten me honor upon Pharaoh, and upon his chariots, and upon his horsemen. Verse 19, And the angel of God, which went before the camp of Israel, removed and went behind them, and the pillar of the cloud went from before their face and stood behind them. And it came between the camp of the Egyptians and the camp of Israel. And it was a cloud and darkness to them, speaking of the Egyptians, but it gave light by night to these, the children of Israel, so that the one came not near the other all the night. And I touched on this earlier, that there's a great safety or security that comes with the power of God. And here the Lord started doing this right then and there. I, they knew the proximity of where they were, yet all the night long, it could not, they could not find them. The Egyptians came not near the other. It says the two camps came not near the other all night. Pretty safe place to be. I mean, the Lord with you. Uh, verse 21, And Moses stretched out his hand over the sea, and the Lord caused the sea to go back by a strong east wind all that night and made the sea dry land, and the waters were divided. And the children of Israel went into the midst of the sea upon the dry ground, and the waters were a wall unto them on their right hand and on their left. Now this verse here, verse 22, this verse demonstrates that the whole, the whole event was miraculous. Water standing as walls on either side 
just standing as walls in general, is contrary to the law of fluids. <clears throat> now, I looked up some laws on fluid dynamics, and I looked all the way into it, and I looked through it, and I said, yep, that's why we have engineers. Uh, but this, this is what I did take from it, because it goes along specifically with this miracle here. First of all, I want to point out in 22, verse 22, the word midst. The meaning means to sever, or to mean a bisection. By implication, the center, between. It's important because it talks about the water being on the right hand of them on the left. Do you know there's no real historical evidence of this crossing other than the Bible itself? That is the historical reference of them going through. So, unfortunately, it leaves a lot of men to have speculations on how this possibly could have happened. How on earth is it possible? But with your natural mind, you're never going to understand a miracle of the Lord. It just, it won't make sense to you whatsoever. A couple more facts here about this that happened. Um, water itself, liquid, will take a shape of the container it fills, but retains a fixed volume. Uh, the basic forces that make fluids move are gravity, pressure differences, and surface stresses. Well, we know that the Lord caused the sea to go back by a strong east wind, it said, all that night. So just let's kind of take a look at this whole thing. The water is a wall on one side of them and the other, on the right hand and the left. There's a wind. The force of that wind to be able to even do something like this would have to be pretty grand, pretty huge. And then on top of that, while all this blowing and stuff is going through, people are walking on dry ground. It's, you can't describe it other than a total miracle, right? It was not an ebb and flow situation. That deals with shore and waters coming in and going out. Again, we know that it was a wall on the right hand and the left. So when something of this nature occurs and is not natural, it's supernatural. The only reason the children of Israel were able to walk through on dry ground with that wind whipping as fast as it could, the speed of that wind would knock a normal person over. There's no way that they would have been able to walk across with the wind whipping and everything going on around them. So insert the Spirit of God here. They were walking through the Spirit of the Lord and they went across on dry ground. So let's read the conclusion of what happened here. In verse 23, remember, the Lord had hardened Pharaoh's heart, his heart, excuse me, and he was going to come after them no matter what. And the Egyptians pursued and went in after them to the midst of the sea, even all Pharaoh's horses and his chariots and his horsemen. And it came to pass that in the morning, watch, the Lord looked unto the host of the Egyptians through the pillar of fire and of the cloud and troubled the host of the Egyptians and took off their chariot wheels that they drave them heavily so that the Egyptians said, let us flee from the face of Israel for the Lord fighteth for them against the Egyptians. And the Lord said unto Moses, stretch out thine hand over the sea that the waters may come again upon the Egyptians, upon their chariots and upon their horsemen. And Moses stretched forth his hand over the sea and the sea returned to its strength when the morning appeared, and the Egyptians fled against it. 
and the Lord overthrew the Egyptians in the midst of the sea. I'm going to stop and kind of reread that there a little bit. And in verse 27, when Moses stretched forth his hand over the sea, and the sea returned to his strength. Remember that power comes from God, right? The Lord removed the power of the sea. And then when it was time, and he told Moses to do so, he returned the power of the sea. Okay, verse 28. And the waters returned and covered the chariots and the horsemen and all the host of Pharaoh that came into the sea after them. There remained not so much as one of them. But the children of Israel walked upon dry land in the midst of the sea, and the waters were a wall unto them on their right hand and onto their left. Now, so there's other stuff going on here. As they're still walking through the midst of the sea, in behind it, the Lord returned the strength of the water. So these walls are now coming together. So here's just one more layer of this miracle playing out. It's <laughs> opened up, and now it's doing this. It's coming all the way back on Pharaoh and all his men, and they're still continuing to walk through on dry ground. Can you imagine being the very last guy in that line and seeing all that going on behind you? That must have been quite a sight. Verse 30, Thus the Lord saved Israel that day out of the hand of the Egyptians, and Israel saw the Egyptians dead upon the seashore. And Israel saw that great work which the Lord did upon the Egyptians, and the people feared the Lord and believed the Lord and his servant Moses. So again, I'm looking at my list of what that word power meant there. Uh, was there a show of force in this miracle? Definitely. Walls of water, wind, water crashing down in behind them, yet the whole entire children of Israel were walking on dry ground the whole way. None of that touched them. Security, yep, removing the pillar and going in behind. It was that defense, that cloud at night for them. Majesty, yeah, the Lord gets the glory in all this, right? Only the Lord could do all these things at once. And praise, like I said, if you were the last guy in that line or really anywhere on there, I, if I were there, I would have been running and praising the Lord the whole way through on dry ground. That's for sure. So yeah. Incredible example of the Lord's power and in the way he does it in his miracles. All right, so now I'm going to go on to uh, the security and safety that the Lord offers his people through that great power of his. You know, and we're in a, uh, a bit of an interesting time. This last month has been quite a different month. It's been uh, quite the time. But you know, for those of us that do walk in the power and authority of the Lord, it's really been just a great time to have that rest and fellowship in him. I know personally, I've enjoyed more time with my family than I have in years, and we're taking full advantage of that, of getting wondrous things from the Lord and being able to share the good things of it with each other. And look, we're not naive to know what's going on and what's out there right now, but we do know what great power that the Lord has bestowed upon us and in our lives, being Holy Ghost-filled vessels for Him. And when you have that, you can walk in that safety and security, in that power. You can walk through anything in this life, and it won't trouble you. We're going to go to Psalms 91. We've read this a lot lately. It's just a great prayer to read over you or your family. 
or anyone who in sincerity wants to be part of the Lord's family. So Psalms 91, starting in verse 1, He that dwelleth in the secret place of the Most High shall abide under the shadow of the Almighty. I will say of the Lord, He is my refuge and my fortress. My God, in Him will I trust. Surely He shall deliver thee from the snare of the fowler and from the noisome pestilence. He shall cover thee with His feathers, and under His wings shalt thou trust. His truth shall be thy shield and buckler. Thou shalt not be afraid for the terror by night, nor for the arrow that flieth by day, nor for the pestilence that walketh in darkness, nor for the destruction that wasteth at noonday. A thousand shall fall at thy right side, and ten thousand at thy right hand, but it shall not come nigh thee. Only with thine eyes shalt thou behold this and see the reward of the wicked, because thou hast made the Lord, which is my refuge, even the Most High, thy habitation. There shall no evil befall thee, neither shall any plague come nigh thy dwelling. For he shall give his angels charge over thee, to keep thee in all thy ways. They shall bear thee up in their hands, lest thou dash thy foot against the stone. Thou shalt tread upon the lion and the adder, the young lion and the dragon shalt thou trample under feet. And here's the Lord talking directly to you. Because he hath set his love upon me, therefore will I deliver him. I will set him on high, because he hath known my name. He shall call upon me, and I will answer him. I will be with him in trouble. I will deliver him and honor him. With long life I will satisfy him and show him my salvation. Well, it doesn't get much better than that. A lot of great peace, a lot of great comfort in those scriptures. I encourage you to read it out every day if you need to. It's there for you. Okay, I'm going to go on to just a few more examples in Scripture of what that safety, having that safety, does for us. Psalms 4, 8. I will both lay me down in peace and sleep, for thou, Lord, only makest me dwell in safety. Mm-hmm. Uh, Proverbs 18:10. The name of the Lord is a strong tower. The righteous runneth into it and is safe. Psalms 31.20 Thou shalt hide them in the secret of thy presence from the pride of man. Thou shalt keep them secretly in a pavilion from the strife of tongues. Yeah, yeah, there's a lot of words, a lot of fear being spoken out right now. But there's a great safety and security in the Lord. He'll keep you from it all. <laughs> and even if you have to be out in it, his protection and safety is there for you too. Psalms 23 verses 4 and 5 Yea, though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I will fear no evil. For thou art with me, thy rod and thy staff, they comfort me. Thou preparest the table before me in the presence of mine enemies. Thou anointest my head with oil, my cup runneth over. Mm -hmm. And a great safety, like I said, security. Uh, the Lord at many times, speaking of Jesus Christ on earth here, he had to get out of some... Uh, tight situations here and there, only because he was speaking the truth um, to the lost sheep of Israel. And in certain times, uh, they didn't want to accept that. So uh, Luke 4, 29 and 30, I'll try to give a little bit of a preface to this. He had just come back from being tempted by the devil, and he was actually in his own town. He was in Nazareth. And he was pointing out some things to them, the people there, and they did not like it. They did not take to it. And this is what happened. 
and verse 29, and rose up, speaking of those people, and thrust him out of the city and led him unto the brow of the hill whereon their city was built, that they might cast him down headlong. Yeah, a murder spirit. They were ready to kill him right then and there, just for speaking the good news and the truth to them. Verse 30, but he passing through the midst of them went his way. There's another, that midst, right? Right through the middle. Now, you can't tell me that wasn't done in the natural, that he of his own will just marched right through them. They, were, they saw him right in front of them, right? That was the working, that was the power and the spirit of the Lord right there. He just passed through the midst of them. Just another parting of the Red Sea, just the different in the New Testament here, that's all. Uh, in another case, same thing, the Lord was pointing out to the, the Pharisees, you know, they were, they wouldn't accept him. You know, they, they got hung up on the law and on Abraham as their father, and they, they didn't recognize that the Lord himself was standing right in front of them. Um, so in John eight fifty nine it says this, Then they took up stones to cast at him, but Jesus hid himself and went out of the temple, going through the midst of them, and so passed by. Again, the Lord just by the Spirit hit him, and he went right through the middle of them. And again, John 10, 39 just says, Therefore they sought again to take him, but he escaped out of their hand. Yeah, the Lord offers us that great escape. There's always a way out with the Lord, as long as you go to him, as long as you run and you make him that, that tower defense like it spoke of. And Psalms 46, 1 just speaks to that again. It says, God is our refuge and strength, a very present help in trouble. Boy, is he ever. Okay, now I'm going to come to the point in my message where the power of God is transferable. So what I mean by that is, is that God gives his power. He's given it to men through the Old Testament. He gave it to his, his son, the Lord here on earth. Um, he's given it in those days. Then it was passed down actually to the apostles and then to the Jews. And then it came to us after that. Remember, Jesus was sent to the lost sheep of Israel. And I'm getting a little ahead of myself here, but we'll go into that a, a little bit in the sense of the apostles were then sent out to the same people and after they were sent out to the Gentiles. And that really does encapsulate all of us at the end there. See, remember, we are the ones that are grafted in to that tree. So one other definition of the word power uh, in the Greek means permission. By implication, that's full power or commission. God commissions his power to us. Um, it means to turn over or a transfer. That is to allow, give, leave, liberty, license, let, permit, or suffer. The roots also mean a superimposition as a relation of distribution. So if you superimpose something, you're placing something over another or laying something over another. Usually still both are evident. Uh, it can also mean to join as an addition. So when the Lord joins the Holy Spirit to your soul, he's enjoining you to his power. He's bringing, which is the Holy Ghost, the Holy Spirit, Jesus Christ within your hope of glory. That's what that true power is in us. So 
we're going to go to Genesis 32, verse 24. Now, the Lord had already come to Abram, and he breathed in the breath of life, and he became Abraham. He breathed that Holy Spirit into him, um, and it was in that lineage. God had a specific way that this power was going to come down, come down the line. Abraham had it, um, <clears throat> remember, and then it came to Isaac. In Isaac shall thy seed be called. And then it came to Jacob. And there was even a, there was a bit of a, oh, I don't know what you would call it, maybe a controversy, in, only in the natural. Because with Jacob, it was told that the elder shall serve the younger. Remember, there was Jacob and Esau. And the Lord chose Jacob. So, so yeah, in Genesis 32, starting verse 24, uh, Jacob was a man at this point in time in his life, uh, and he was just in a very interesting situation one of these nights. And we're going to read about it here. It says, And Jacob was left alone, and there wrestled a man with him until the breaking of the day. Verse 25, And when he saw that he prevailed not against him, this is the man who Jacob is wrestling against. He touched the hollow of his thigh, and the hollow of Jacob's thigh was out of joint as he wrestled with him. Hmm. Well, what kind of man could do that? In verse 26, And he said, Let me go, for the day breaketh. And he said, This is Jacob, I will not let thee go, except thou bless me. So quite the predicament here. Jacob was not letting go. I mean... About a year plus ago, I got into a little accident, and I have some shooting pains up and down once in a while in my body, but I, I can't imagine what kind of pain that must have been like to have your hip literally put out of joint, yet Jacob would not let go. He would not let go until he was blessed, it says. And in verse 27, And he said unto him, What is thy name? And he said, Jacob. Verse 28, And he said, Thy name shall be called no more Jacob, but Israel. For as a prince thou hast power with God, and hath, and with men, and hath prevailed. So, boom, right there. He received power from the Lord. Power here in this verse actually means to prevail as a prince. It's a prevailing power as a prince. So in verse 29, it says, And Jacob asked him and said, Tell me, I pray thee, thy name. And he said, Wherefore is it that thou dost ask after my name? And he blessed him there. <clears throat> well, that's another message all entirely, so I won't go into that right there. But it's like he said, well, I'll just go into it right here in verse 30. And Jacob called the name of that place Peniel, for I have seen God face to face, and my life is preserved. Yeah. Jacob wasn't wrestling with a man. He was wrestling with God till the break of day. And he wouldn't let go. He held on and he received his blessing. He received power from the Lord right there. Now, this isn't the first time in Jacob's life, though, that something like this had happened. And again, like I said, it had come down the lineage. Abraham had it, it continued with Isaac, and now it's come to Jacob. But it's so interesting and amazing that the Lord, even though it was in that lineage, he makes it very personal, right? He comes to you. Um, my father personally walked with an apostle, and I love my dad dearly. I love his stories, and he witnessed and got to do a lot of great things. 
but the Lord has come to me separately and he's given me wonderful things. He's given me great things. He just, he makes it very personable with everybody. It's a very one-on-one -on -one relationship and it's a very beautiful thing to have. So like I had said earlier, uh, Jacob had this power or had this strength with the Lord from a very young age. And in Hosea 12, 3, this is what it says. It says, he took his brother's heel, speaking of Jacob, in the womb, and by his strength, he had power with God. Now, strength here, you can interchange it with the word power. It is actually a word, another definition or another word that means power. And it's a really interesting one. It says, in the sense of effort, but successful. So I really took note to that. It also means ability, power, wealth, but it was successful effort. And I mean, think about that. In the womb, he reached out and grabbed a hold of that foot. You know, it's a good example for all of us. If you want the Lord or if you have the Lord, we all need to reach out and grab a hold of the Lord like Jacob did. And then hang on with all your might. And he did that in what I just read earlier. So yeah, Jacob had that great power before the Lord and he would have let go. He would not let go of the Lord. And it's just a good example of how we should all be. Uh, in verse 4 of Hosea, says, Yea, he had power over the angel and prevailed, which we just read about. He wept and made supplication unto him and found him in Bethel. Now this is referring to Jacob laid down and he made a pillow for himself, basically out of the stone. And the Lord visited him there again, too. And this is what you might know of Jacob's ladder. A lot of people call it that. Um, but he, the Lord gave him a vision in his sleep. And in his vision, he saw a ladder stretching from the earth all the way up into heaven. And he saw angels ascending and descending on it. And at the very top was God standing, looking down from the top of it. And the Lord spoke to him there at that time, too, and said the the land or the stone where you lay your head, I'll give it all to you. That was part of what the Lord was doing in that. So again, really personal. The Lord came to Jacob multiple times, and Jacob know, knew how to get a hold and to hang on to the Lord, to, to have that power with him and continue with it. All right. I'm going to continue a little bit with that definition, though, that strength that Jacob had, the successful effort. The interesting thing about that is that the roots from it are almost completely the opposite. Uh, it comes from a root that means to exert oneself, usually in vain, to come to naught, strictly nothingless. Also trouble, vanity, wickedness, specifically an idol. It means another from an, another root of it means to be nothing or not exist, a non-entity. It also means a query of like a question of where or whence or how. And, you know, the Lord showed me a couple things from these definitions. You know, it's important to know what you're putting your effort and strength into. A lot of people out there work to have the things of the natural. If you're, if you're working for the next thing or what's the next thing you can accumulate, right? It, it's there but then it never becomes enough. They need to move on to something more. I got to have something more now. Um, and it really all comes to naught. It's futile. It doesn't end up in the end doing you any good. And you can't take any of it with you when you go. 
Now on the flip side of that, I'll kind of put it this way. The Spirit of God is seemingly nowhere and everywhere all at the same time. So what I mean by that is, is we don't necessarily see it, uh, but you can see it if you have the spiritual eyes to. Um, in the Word it says this, in John 3, 8, The wind bloweth where it listeth, and thou hearest the sound thereof, but canst not tell whence it cometh, and whither it goeth. So is everyone that is born of the Spirit. Yeah, seemingly nowhere, but yet everywhere. If you're a Spirit-filled Christian, then it's in you. Second uh, Corinthians 4, 7 says, But we have this treasure in earthen vessels, so that the excellency of the power might be of God and not of us. Yeah, again, just knowing where that power comes from, giving God the honor and glory of it. Uh, and Matthew eleven twenty five says, At that time Jesus answered and said, I thank thee, O Father, Lord of heaven and of earth, because thou hast hid these things from the wise and prudent, and hast revealed them unto babes. Yeah, again, uh, the Spirit of the Lord, again, it's limitless, right? For us to seem what would be like a, maybe a large, overwhelming task is nothing to the Spirit of the Lord. And that ties right in with that definition as well. All right. <clears throat> so out of the word, I'm now going to go into God transferring his power to Jesus Christ. And he also, who transfers the power to his disciples. Again, the disciples then transferred it to the Jews uh, and then to all. Uh, Matthew 28, 18. And Jesus came and spake unto them, saying, All power is given unto me in heaven and in earth. Now, all doesn't leave anything out. It encompasses everything. It's all. Again, power belongs to God. And Matthew 10, 1. Here, while he was still here on the earth with them, he said this, And when he had called unto them his twelve disciples, he gave them power against unclean spirits to cast them out and to heal all manner of sickness and all manner of disease. Mm -hmm. So that just shows that the Lord did have power while on earth. Again, Jesus, Jesus was a great example of how we should be and, and act in this life, in this world. But he was the power of God on the planet. Like I said earlier, he actually did very little in the natural. He um, was born of a woman in the natural. He had to suffer in the natural, meaning he hungered, he thirsted, he felt all the things we felt, only to the end that he would destroy sin, though. And that was his main purpose of being here in the flesh. Otherwise, most everything else the Lord does, did, was by the power and spirit of the Lord. Okay, uh, Luke 10, verse 19 says, Behold, I give unto you power to tread on serpents and scorpions and over all the power of the enemy, and nothing shall by any means hurt you. Mm-hmm. Yep, and Luke 24, 49. Here he's getting ready. He's telling different ones here about the power that's going to be come and bestowed on them. It says, And behold, I send you the promise of my Father upon you, but tarry ye in the city of Jerusalem until ye be endued with power from on high. Yeah, so he was telling them, get ready, it's coming. Uh, again, in Acts 1, verse 8, he told them again, 
But ye shall receive power after that the Holy Ghost has come upon you, and ye shall be witnesses unto me both in Jerusalem and in all Judea, and in Samaria, and unto the uttermost parts of the earth. Yeah, and that's where we come in also to this equation too. Remember, Jesus himself was sent to Israel, the lost sheep of Israel, he said. Um, his disciples then went from there and took it to the Gentiles. And you know, the Lord knew this even when he said this to the uttermost part of the earth. He knew that we would be here today. He knew that we would be the continuation of that power to do his work and be those witnesses in all the earth. Okay, uh, we'll go to Acts 2, verse 1. And here is where the powering God comes in. This is where they first all get filled with it right here. And when the day of Pentecost was fully come, they were all with one accord and in one place. And suddenly there came a sound from heaven as a rushing mighty wind, and it filled all the house where they were sitting. And there appeared unto them cloven tongues like as of fire, and it sat upon each of them. And they were all filled with the Holy Ghost, and began to speak with other tongues as the Spirit gave them utterance. And there it was. The Holy Ghost entered into them. They were endued with that power. And the Holy Ghost, or the Holy Spirit, that is the working power of the Lord. And that is what's inside the Spirit-filled Christian today. That's the source of our power. Uh, okay, um, I'm going to go on now to the Lord revealing to uh, the Apostle Peter in Acts 11. And uh, now was the time for this power to be transferred out to the Gentiles, or which is just another word for they weren't the Israelites. They weren't the Jewish people. Basically, everyone else at that point. So Acts 11, verse 7. And I heard a voice saying unto me, Arise, Peter, slay and eat. But I said, Not so, Lord, for nothing common or unclean hath at any time entered into my mouth. But the voice answered me again from heaven, What God hath cleansed, that call not thou common. Now the Lord had actually given, sent Peter into a trance, and he had saw a vision. And this is what that vision meant. Uh, down into verse 15. And as I began to speak... The Holy Ghost fell upon them as on us at the beginning. Then remembered I the word of the Lord, how that he said, John indeed baptized with water, but ye shall be baptized with the Holy Ghost. For as much then as God gave them the like gift as he did unto us who believed on the Lord Jesus Christ, what was I that I could withstand God? Verse 18, When they heard these things, they held their peace and glorified God, saying, Then hath God also to the Gentiles granted repentance unto life. Yeah, so right then and there, the Lord was beginning to send that spirit and that power. He was getting ready to disperse it out to all. Yeah, uh, Romans 14, 9 says, For to this end Christ both died and rose and revived, that he might be Lord both to the dead and to the living, or and the living. Yeah, those of us that are filled with the Spirit, who do know the Lord, and those that don't. Jesus died for all, right? He died once for sin, but he died for all. Just like it says that he might be Lord both to the dead and the living. So we have his spirit in us today if we are filled with the Holy Ghost. And, you know, it's, it's the Lord's business to who that comes upon. And it's in his word. He's going to give it out 
to all, really all that will receive it. Uh, this is backed up in the word in Joel 2, 28 and 29. It says, And it shall come to pass afterward that I will pour out my spirit upon all flesh. Again, all is all. It's not leaving anything out. And your sons and daughters shall prophesy, your old men shall dream dreams, and your young men shall see visions. And also upon the servants and upon the handmaidens in those days will I pour out my spirit. Yeah, we're in a time, we're in that accelerated time right now. We're seeing it. The Lord's expanding his people, and it's great to see. Uh, the Lord said in Luke twelve forty nine, I am come to send fire on the earth, and what will I if it already be kindled? Or what is it to us where the Lord distributes his power? He just said in Joel that he would give it out to all. He was giving it out to all there. So yeah, you know, we are, as Holy Ghost members of Christ's body, we are those fires on the earth. So bless God if more of them are starting to pop up, you know, when we just pray that the Lord fill them with that fullness, the fullness of his word. Yeah, and if it seems new, again, the Lord said he'd do a new thing. Isaiah 43, 19. Behold, I will do a new thing. Now it shall spring forth. Shall ye not know it? And I will even make a way in the wilderness and rivers in the desert. Yep, they're going to come in from all, all corners of the globe. Become part, part of the, the Lord's army to be a part of God's true people. Okay. Well, I'm going to just touch really quickly on how you get the power of God. Uh, it's really simple, but it's essential. It's the first steps of coming to the Lord. So we're going to read Acts 2.38 and 2.39. If you've heard this a lot lately, bless God, we're going to hear it one more time. Acts 2.38. Then Peter said unto them, Repent, there's your first step, and be baptized. Number two, every one of you in the name of Jesus Christ for the remission of sins. And ye shall, that's a promise of God, receive the gift of the Holy Ghost. For the promise is unto you and to your children and to all that are far off, even as many as the Lord our God shall call. Again, that word repent means to think differently or to change your mind, to reconsider. Uh, the word baptized in the Greek means to make whelmed. That means fully wet. So let's make sure we get the right baptism here, right? For the remission of sins, very important. Um, that further meaning of baptism is to cover wholly with a fluid, right? It's what we call full immersion water baptism. And go all the way under those waters. Um, and remission is a pardon. It's a pardon of sins. It's forgiveness. Uh, it also means to omit, right? We know there were two baptisms, the baptism of John and then the baptism of Jesus Christ. So make sure you're specific. Make sure you know what you're getting. Make sure you get the right baptism. Right? Because it's in the name of Jesus Christ of Nazareth that you receive those remission of sins. So a very important step nonetheless, but again, very simple. Just be obedient to what the Word says to do there. Well, it's been an honor uh, today sharing what the Lord has given me. been very grateful to be before you all. Um, my love to the elect of God and to the saints and to those of you who are a part of the body of Christ. And also my love to those of you who sincerely are seeking after the truth and want to be a part of that power of God. Love to you all. I'm going to end my 
message today with a bit of a highlight or a recap of just some of the things that you become a part of when you become part of the power of God. Again, these are just events that have taken place through the Bible and also things that I've witnessed being part of a true fivefold ministry. The power of God created the heavens and the earth. The power of God created man in his own image to subdue the earth and have dominion over the fish of the sea, the fowl of the air, and over every living thing that moveth upon the earth. The power of God formed man out of the dust of the earth, breathed in the breath of life, and man became a living soul. The power of God sold Joseph into captivity and raised him up second only to Pharaoh, making him ruler of all that he had, saving his father, his brethren, and his people. The power of God made the walls of Jericho fall. The power of God is the sword of the Lord and Gideon. The power of God strengthened Samson one last time, bringing down the house on the lords of the Philistines. The power of God took David from following the sheep to be ruler over all Israel. By the power of God, Elijah outran Ahab's chariot to Jezreel. The power of God is a still, small voice. The power of God promoted Mordecai and hung Haman on his gallows. By the power of God, Jesus Christ of Nazareth, by one offering, hath perfected forever them that are sanctified. By the power of God, if we believe on Jesus, we will do greater works than he, because he went to the Father. The power of God makes you part of these that have turned the world upside down. By the power of God, a true prophet stopped an earthquake dead in its tracks. By the power of God, the teachings and instructions of a true apostle are going out over the land decades after he has gone home to be with the Lord. By the power of God, a fivefold ministry started by that apostle has continued on and grown under another true apostle's love and care in the fear and admonition of the Lord. The power of God is your name written in the book of life. This is Get Your Love on Radio, that incredible message by our beloved brother Tim. Uh, what an awesome way to start your week, knowing that the power of God is transferable to all those that want it and that seek him with all their heart, all their mind, and all their soul. And I love how individual God Almighty is. And we heard that in Tim's message, that God is so individual, he gives you that same resurrection power that his son obtained, that same victory that his son obtained through faith and through righteousness. He obtained that and then gives it to us. My name is Julie Bueller. Thank you so much for being here today. We have another very special message for you. Um, you know, we were talking earlier in the show about all the things that God gives us, peace and rest. He gives us all things. He gives us a sound mind. And in fact, he says he'll give us the wisdom so that our adversaries can't gainsay against us. Isn't that wonderful? That's the life we get through Jesus Christ of Nazareth. And now we have an incredible message about how that was, boom, immediately put to action in the book of Acts. And it'll give us that further instruction on how we too can put that great victory, that mighty power of God into action in our own 
lives. So this is Brother Bob. You heard Tim mention the true apostle that laid the foundation for the fivefold ministry. And we've talked about the fivefold ministry here on Get Your Love On. It's apostles, prophets, evangelists, pastors, and teachers that are for the perfecting of the saints, for the work of the ministry that's outlined in Ephesians. And that's absolutely happening in this land. The Lord has very specifically and very lovingly individually cultivated the fivefold ministry in each one of those ministries and then brought us all together. And so we have this incredible ministry of faith and endurance and knowledge and wisdom. And so Brother Bob was that true apostle that you heard Tim refer to. And so he's the man that we rely on to give us that actionable power of God. So this message from Brother Bob, uh, this was when he was on television internationally, and this is called Rise Up and Walk. Hello, folks. Greetings again. Lord bless you much today. I've got a good message for you, a message of faith. Come with me to Acts 3, the book of Acts, the third chapter. You know, the book of Acts does not have an amen after it, which means so be it. That means God is still doing the acts today. The Lord is still healing, and saving, and baptizing people, and giving the Holy Spirit, giving the gifts of the Spirit and the fruits of the Spirit. I'll be ministering on the gifts of the Spirit and the fruits of the Spirit in some of my later telecasts, so sort of watch for them. and Get an idea of what you can do in the Lord and through the Lord. Now, Peter and John went up together into the temple at the hour of prayer being the ninth hour. <clears throat> and a certain man, lame from his mother's womb, was carried, whom they laid daily at the gate of the temple, which is called Beautiful, to ask alms of them that entered into the temple. Who, seeing Peter and John about to go into the temple, asked an alms, or was begging. And Peter fastened his eyes upon him with John and said, Look on us. Look upon us. And he gave heed unto them, expecting to receive something of them materially. But listen to this carefully now. Peter said, Silver and gold have I none, but such as I have give I thee. In the name of Jesus Christ of Nazareth, rise up and walk. Now this man had never walked, and he was above 30 years old. He was a condemned beggar, condemned to beg the rest of his life. But listen to what Peter had to say. He said, Silver and gold have I none. But such as I have, it's free. In the name of Jesus Christ, rise up and walk. Now, folks, today, silver and gold have I none either. But such as I have, I give unto you Jesus Christ. And it is free. Rise up and start walking in newness of life from this moment on. You're able. Come on, rise up and start walking. I'm talking about walking spiritually as well as in the natural. It is free. You don't have to pay anybody for anything. And he took him by the right hand and lifted him up, and immediately his feet and ankle bones received strength. Why? Because God was there. God is here today to heal you, to give you strength, both spiritually, physically, and financially. All you have to do is believe it. And he, leaping up, stood and walked and entered with them into the temple, walking and leaping, and praising God. Now this man hadn't walked in his life. Yet it said he walked, he leaped, and he did the third thing. He began to praise God. 
If God did a miracle for you, would you be too ashamed to praise Him? Would you be too ashamed to ask Him to heal you in a loud voice? Well, if you are, that's why you're not healed. And all the people saw Him walking and praising God. And they knew that it was He which sat for alms at the beautiful gate of the temple, and they were filled with wonder and amazement at that which had happened unto Him. You know, these miracles are still taking place today in many parts of the country, and I get letters every day about a healing or a miracle that has taken place. Mm -hmm. Eskimos wrote to me from away up north, I mean away up north, and told me that they were healed and filled with the Holy Spirit where they were. Mm -hmm. I've had people all over the country write to me and tell me they've been healed of cancer, many different things now have the letters here in my office. And as the lame man which was healed held Peter and John, all the people ran together unto them in the porch that is called Solomon's, greatly wondering. And when Peter saw it, he answered unto the people, You men of Israel, why marvel ye at this? Or why look you so earnestly on us, as though by our own power or holiness we made this man to walk? He said, The God of Isaac, Abraham, and Jacob, the God of our fathers hath glorified his son Jesus, whom he delivered up and denied him in the presence of Pilate when he was determined to let him go. Now Peter was talking to some of the people here that had helped crucify Jesus. But he said, You denied the Holy One and the just and desired a murderer to be granted unto you and killed the Prince of Life whom God hath raised from the dead, whereof we are witnesses. I'm a witness today that God has raised Jesus Christ from the dead, the healer, of mind, body, soul, and spirit. Mm -hmm. And his name through faith in his name hath made this man strong, whom you see and know, yea, the faith which is by him hath given him this perfect soundness in the presence of you all. People, if you will believe through faith on Jesus Christ, <coughs> he will give you a perfect soundness. He will make you perfect before him. And now, brethren, I want that through ignorance you did it, as did also your rulers. But those things which God before had showed by the mouth of all his prophets, that Christ should suffer, he hath so fulfilled. Repent ye therefore, and be converted. You see, all the true prophets and apostles, evangelists, pastors, and teachers, even then and now, will tell you many times over and over, as I tell you, repent and be converted. That is the message through the ages, is to repent and be converted. This hemisphere and the people on this hemisphere need to repent and be converted. That's all that's the matter with the world today. You've forgotten God. I said, you have forgotten God. I'll say it again. You have forgotten God. You must repent and be converted that your sins might be blotted out. Peter said it here in the 19th verse, Repent ye therefore and be converted that your sins may be blotted out when the times of refreshing shall come from the presence of the Lord. Mm -hmm. And I have never seen or felt anything any more refreshing than to be baptized in water. I get refreshed every time I baptize people. That water is so refreshing and the thought and the power and the might and the glory behind it is a great refreshener. You ought to try it sometime. It really works. And he shall send Jesus Christ, which before was preached unto you. God will still send the Spirit of Jesus Christ unto you today. 
It is for you today. It is for you now, right at this moment. It says, Whom the heavens must receive until the times of restitution of all things, which God hath spoken by the mouth of all his holy prophets since the world began. God is still talking to you through his holy prophets today. Mm -hmm. For Moses truly said unto the fathers, A prophet shall the Lord your God raise up unto you of your brethren, like unto me. Him shall you hear in all things whatsoever he shall say unto you. God is talking to you through his prophets today, folks. He is telling you that the good things are still here and are still happening. All you have to do is believe it, like this impotent man did with Peter. And it doesn't cost you a dime. It's free. All you have to do is exercise your faith. Let your faith go to God. Some of you say, well, how do I let my faith go to God? I think I'll take the time to teach you. Just imagine a gigantic window in the heavens opened and God himself looking down upon you and his hand coming down to touch you. Well, if you can do that, you just let your faith go to God. You just say, Lord, here am I. You heal me. Lord, here am I. You save me. Lord, here am I. You bless me. Lord, here am I. Heal me. Save my soul and convert my soul. I'm ready. I give myself unto you. And believe you me, that window will become a reality. That's how you let your faith go to God. It's just that simple. It's just that simple. <laughs> fact, the matter is it's so simple that most people can't believe it because it is so simple. But believe it. It is that simple, folks. Just let your faith go to God. Just start talking to Him. Or like the impotent man, start leaping and shouting for joy. Won't hurt you. Mm -hmm. You see all kinds of idiots and spirits leaping and shouting. And they call it rock and roll, and nobody condemns them. So why shouldn't you leap and shout for joy before God? It's your privilege. You have the same right as anybody else. Mm -hmm. You see people gyrating and squirming and doing all kinds of funny things to silly music. So why shouldn't you be able to do some oddball things before your God? Mm -hmm. Kind of talking to you today, putting it in simple terms. Mm-hmm. Oh, I know a lot of you preachers don't believe in being a little bit, uh, well, overboard, they call it. But if you hadn't walked for 30 years and been a bum all your life or a tramp or, or had to beg, and all at once you were a complete whole person, well, I, I did some shouting and leaping when God first healed me. He healed, healed me of cancer of both lungs and the stomach. Mm -hmm. And I did some shouting and leaping. <laughs> and I still do some shouting and leaping even at the thought of it at times, especially when I'm alone with the Lord. Mm -hmm. All right. He went on to say that through the name of Jesus Christ, this man became whole. He said, Ye are the children of the prophets and of the covenant which God made with our fathers, saying unto Abraham, And in thy seed shall all the kindreds of the earth be blessed. He says, unto you first, God, having raised up his son Jesus, sent him to bless you. Now, Peter says, God raised up his son Jesus and sent him to bless you. He's talking to you today, folks. He sent Jesus to bless you in turning away every one of you from your iniquities. Today is the day 
that God is calling his people together one more time. Listen to this. And as they spake unto the people, the priest and the captain of the temple and the Sadducees came upon them, being grieved that they taught the people and preached through Jesus the resurrection from the dead. See, the religious people just can't comprehend the word of God. So if all you've got out there is a religion, forget it. It won't take you anywhere. It won't get you anywhere, and it will keep you from God. Now, I have nothing against religion. It's a form of worship. But you need salvation. Today is the day of salvation, not the day of religions. Come on, people. I'm trying to tell you the truth. Today is not the day of religions. It's the day of salvation. Get salvation in your soul, and then religion will take care of itself. And they laid hands on them and put them in hold until the next day, for it was now eventide. Howbeit many of them which heard the word believed, and the number of the men was about 5,000. 5,000 men believed that day. And it came to pass on the morrow that the rulers and elders and scribes, and Ananias, Annas the high priest, and Cephas, and John, and Alexander, and as many as were of the kindred of the high priest, were gathered together at Jerusalem. See, they were all relation. In other words, they had a monopoly on the on the religion in that place. It's kind of like that today in your churches out there in the world. Most of the people that run them are all relatives, all related. That way they can run it as they please, like a family affair, like an individual affair. Tell me the truth. And when they had set them in the midst, they asked, by what power or by what name have you done this? By what power or what name have you done this? Then Peter, filled with the Holy Ghost, said unto them, ye rulers of the people and elders of Israel, if this, we this day be examined of the good deed done to the impotent man, by what means he is made whole, be it known unto you all and to all the people of Israel that by the name of Jesus Christ of Nazareth, whom you crucified, whom God raised from the dead, even by him doth this man stand here before you whole. Well, let me make another proclamation to you. Be it known to all of you out there in TV land, that this man was once dying of cancer of both lungs and the stomach. I was a terminal cancer patient. And through the name of Jesus Christ of Nazareth, he saved my soul, healed my body, and put me in to his ministry of the gospel of Jesus Christ. And there's been millions of people that have witnessed the power of God through my ministry in the last 30 years. Peter went on to say, This is the stone which was set at naught of you builders, which has become the head of the corner. Neither is there salvation in any other, for there is none other name under heaven given among men whereby we must be saved. Now, folks, if you're trying to be saved by some religion or by some, something else out there, don't just forget it. You can't be. Because there's no name under heaven given among men whereby we must be saved. Even the name of Jehovah will not save you because you can't come unto Jehovah except through Jesus Christ his Son. No man cometh unto the Father except through Jesus Christ. That's a scripture. That's Bible. No man cometh unto the Father, Jesus said, except through me. Speaking of himself. Now when they saw the boldness of Peter and John and perceived that they were unlearned and ignorant men, they marveled and they took knowledge of them that they had been with Jesus. Mm -hmm. See, Peter and John were ignorant and unlearned men. They were uneducated. Yet God saw fit to give Peter the keys to heaven and hell and to make John one of the greatest apostles, prophets 
evangelist teacher that ever walked on this earth and give him such a love for the human race that appeared to him in person in Revelations on the Isle of Patmos. Yet they were ignorant and unlearned men. So it's not the amount of education anybody has. It's whom God chooses and that are willing to sacrifice their life and lay their life down for him that he'll send into the ministry. Mm -hmm. And beholding the man which was healed standing with them, they could say nothing against it. Mm -hmm. They could say nothing about the healing, but when they had commanded them to go aside out of the council, they conferred among themselves, saying, What shall we do to these men? See, these were religious proselytes. What will we do with these men? For that indeed a notable miracle hath been done by them is manifested to all them that dwell in Jerusalem, and we cannot deny it. See, they're, they're writing their own epitaph here. But that it spread no further among the people, let us straightly threaten them that they speak henceforth, henceforth to no man in this name. Mm -hmm. You see, they saw that there was a good work done through the name of Jesus. But because they didn't believe it, and because they didn't want to understand it, and because they couldn't do it, they didn't want anybody else to. And that's kind of the way it is with the religious proselytes today. <clears throat> They're all looking for their own gain from their own quarter, as long as nobody steps on their toes or crosses their ideas. Fine. But somebody comes along and gets something done and, and heals one of their uh, congregation, or converts one of their congregation, then they rise up and say, let's get that man out of town. Let's tell some dirty stories on him or some bad stories or tell a lie on him so that everybody will despise him. It's still the same today. And they call them and command them not to speak at all nor teach in the name of Jesus. Mm -hmm. But Peter and John answered and said unto them, Whether it be right in the sight of God to hearken unto you more than unto God judge you. <laughs> For we cannot but speak the things which we have seen and heard. Folks, I can't tell you any more or any less than what I've seen and heard and what I know to be the truth of God. And I'm not going to try to tell you anything that I can't prove with Scripture or with witnesses. I'm just going to tell you like it is. You can believe it or you can disbelieve it. But I'm like Peter and John. I'm here and I'm telling it. And I'm going to stay here and I'm going to keep on telling it as long as God wants me to because I obey God, not men. That's why I quit the denominations. They become abominations. They wouldn't let me preach the word like God wanted me to preach. They wanted me to build a big organization or a, or a big uh, uh, incorporations and, and uh, well, sort of pet you in your sin. I'm not going to do it. I'm going to keep on telling you you've got to repent and be baptized and receive the Holy Spirit or you're all going to hell. There's no place in God's realm for you without doing going coming God's way. And it's just that way. There's no ifs, ands, or buts about it, folks. You've got to do it like God said to do it or you're not going to go anywhere except down. <laughs> so when they had further threatened them, they let them go, finding nothing how they might punish them because of the people, for all men glorified God for that which was done. I think you preachers ought to start praying through and getting fasted and prayed up so that you can do miracles and so people will start glorifying God and start doing something miraculous for God once again. I remember some of you older evangelists that are now sat laying on your belly talking to some dummy that used to cast out devils and heal the sick. Now you don't even talk about healing or praying for the sick. I think you ought to get back to the old landmarks, Mr. Television Preachers. Mm -hmm. I think you ought to get rid of your foolishness 
and get you an old chair and an old tent again and go out and start praying for the sick and preaching the gospel like you used to. And Mr. Television Preachers, you know who I'm talking about too. Because <laughs> I've prophesied to you, some of you 17 years ago told you to get back to the old landmark and you didn't do it. Now you're all in a deep crisis financially. Well, the reason you are is you're not serving God anymore. You're serving your belly and the belly of those that are over you now. Your bureaucracy has eaten you up. Well, folks, I'm sorry I had to say this today over television, but somebody's got to tell you. And I'm just simple enough that, so what? I told you. For the man was above 40 years old on whom this miracle of healing was shown. A while ago I said above 30. Well, he is above 30. He's above 40. Been 40 years old. Now what if you'd had to sit on your crooked legs and your bottom, callous bottom, for 40 years and never walk, and a man comes along and said, I've got something I'm going to give you. Rise up and walk. In the name of Jesus, I give you the name of Jesus to walk on. Come on. And you got up and walked. Wouldn't you be overjoyed? Would you let anybody, such as the church leaders, try to talk you out of your blessing? Well, many of you have, so don't let it happen to you anymore. Believe God for yourself, folks. Let your faith go and believe God for yourself, like I said earlier. And being let go, they went their way, their own company, and reported all that the chief priests and elders had said unto them. And when they had heard that, they lifted up their voice to God with one accord and said, Lord, thou art God which hast made heaven and earth, and the sea and all that in them is. Mm -hmm. Who by the mouth of thy son David hath said, Why did the heathen rage and the people imagine vain things? Well, why do you heathen rage and imagine vain things out there? you got the same privilege that we've got to obey God and to get right with Him and to repent and to receive His Spirit. Why imagine vain things? Why knock it until you've tried it? The kings of the earth stood up and the rulers were gathered together against the Lord and against His Christ. But it didn't do Him any good. He's still here and He's still saving and He's still blessing and He's still doing miracles. And there's still a prophets, apostles, evangelists, pastors and teachers on this earth. They didn't all die when, 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 the, when, the, Old when the New Testament men all died. They're still here. God's still appointing apostles, prophets, evangelists, pastors, and teachers. It says, For of a truth against thy holy child Jesus, whom thou hast anointed, both Herod and Pontius Pilate, with the Gentiles and the people of Israel, were gathered together. For to do whatsoever they ha thy hand and thy counsel determined before it to be done. And now, Lord, behold their threatenings, and grant unto thy servants that with all boldness they may speak thy word. That's my prayer today. Lord, give me the boldness to speak your word. And he has. I don't like for boldness to tell God's people what's what and what God has to say to them. And I know it's God that talks through me, because within myself I'm nothing. He says, By stretching forth thine hand to heal, and that signs and wonders may be done by the name of the Holy Child Jesus. I've seen miracles done this week at the hand of the Holy Child Jesus. I've got miracles sitting right here in my studio audience. I mean people that have miracles from God performed upon them physically, spiritually, and financially. Is it not so, folks? How about an amen? amen. See, I have witnesses to what I'm saying, folks. They will not lie. Why should they? Why should they? Why should I have to lie? I don't. It's like I said, I'm not selling anything. I'm not begging from you. If you want to help me, fine. Appreciate it very much. If you need to know more about the Word, write to me. You'll have time to write my address down at the end of the rolls here. 
Listen to this. And when they had prayed, the place was shaken where they were assembled together, and they were all filled with the Holy Ghost, and they spake the word of God with boldness. Now, come on, folks. You can get filled with the Holy Ghost, and you can speak the word of God with boldness. That is your privilege, especially you already saved Christians. You already professing Christians. You need to get a new shot in the arm from God. Mm -hmm. You need to be refilled with His Holy Spirit. Well, I see my time's getting away again. Lord bless you people much now. I love you very much. May the Lord richly bless you is my prayer at this time. And bye for now. And shining morning star Darkness has no defense From your true and shining light Lost in the wilderness You're my way and guiding compass I feel my hands grow steady I feel you next to me Get up and praise The Lord of hosts Get up and praise All ye children The Lord he reigns Let all the earth rejoice you are. You give me dreams and visions. You fill my life with joy. Blind me with your light. Pick me up and give me sight. Don't be a stranger, you say. I'll be a stranger no more. Get up and praise the Lord of hosts. Get up and praise all ye children. The Lord he reigns. Let all the earth rejoice. Get up and praise, get up and praise. Get up, O Israel, get up, Jerusalem. Lift your voice in the song. Get up, O Israel, get up, Jerusalem. Lift your voice in the song and praise the Lord. That song is called Get Up and Praise. Excellent, excellent instruction for all of us. Every day we get to be in this grand adventure, walking with the Lord. This is Get Your Love on Radio. My name is Julie Bueller. Thank you so much for being here. Revelation 7.12 says, Saying, Amen, blessing and glory and wisdom and thanksgiving and honor and power and might. Be unto God forever and ever. Amen. That word amen means so be it. Power and might, glory, wisdom, thanksgiving, honor, and blessing goes to God Almighty. And in return, he gives us all the wonderful promises that are in the word from cover 
to cover. We use the King James Version of the Bible because it was the first translation that was translated without religious or political bias. Every other translation since has has been based off of that. Well, why would you want anything but the best? God doesn't give us anything but the best. So when we're seeking God with all our heart, all our mind, and all our strength, we want to make sure we have the best. And that is the authorized version, the King James Version of the Bible. And that's what we'll give you every week here is the King James Version and the very best instruction, the very best for your soul to succeed in this life, and even more importantly, in the life everlasting. So if you'd like, you can go to getyourloveon.org for past shows. All the show archives are there. And also, check us out on YouTube. We're going to be having some more instruction and some more incredible teaching on the YouTube channel. I wanted to leave you with this. It's John 16, 33. We've covered an incredible amount of word today and talking about the transferable power of God and the awesome power of God, the immediate power of God that becomes your life once you're baptized and filled with the Holy Spirit and walking in the Spirit. In John 16, 33, it says, These things I have spoken unto you, that in me ye might have peace. In the world ye shall have tribulation, but be of good cheer. I have overcome the world. So the Lord is saying, I give you this word, I give you this instruction, and I give you these, this perfect knowledge from the word of God, from the Bible, in order to give you peace, that you, you might have peace. Now, the Lord also said that when he gives us peace, he gives not as the world giveth, but he gives us peace. So if we're, why would he use the word might right there? It's because it is up to us to accept it. It's up to us to run after God, to get up and praise him, to seek God with all our heart, all our mind, and all our strength in order to obtain that peace from God Almighty. And then he does. He gives it in spades. There's, there's nothing God doesn't give us when we do have that earnest desire to seek him. And he says, I've given you all this that you might have peace. And then he offers that in the world you shall have tribulation. So there's a very distinct difference between the world and God. And in the world there will be tribulation. But the good news is, but be of good cheer, Christ says, I have overcome the world. He has the ultimate victory, my beloved friends. There is nothing Satan can ever do to diminish Christ's eternal, resounding, outstanding victory over sin, sickness, disease, and anything that Satan would try to do. So let's rest in this victory of Christ. Let's rest in these words in John 16:33. I'm going to read that one more time. And if you have a Bible in front of you, feel free to open up. If you don't, you can go to Amazon, order yourself a King James Version of the Bible. There's also some apps on um, Android or iPhones. You can download the Version Bible and then make sure you set it to King James Version so you get the truth of the word. But I'm going to read this one more time, John 16, These things I have spoken unto you, that in me 
ye might have peace. In the world ye shall have tribulation, but be of good cheer. I have overcome the world. That's our message of the of the day. Christ's victory, that power of God can be ours if we want it and if we are obedient to the word. And bless God, the truth of the word is going out across this land internationally. There's no limitation to what God's doing. And I want to thank you from the bottom of my heart for being part of it, for joining us today, and hopefully We'll see you next week as well. And since we've spent the last two hours getting our love on, I'd like to encourage you to keep your love on. Don't forget, you can always go to the podcast at getyourloveon.org. See shows from the past. If you need to overcome addiction, if you're wondering about water baptism, if you're wondering about what is the fivefold ministry, all of that incredible knowledge that will change your life forever is available at getyourloveon.org. Hope you have a wonderful week. Lord bless you. Sure love you. And we'll be here next week as well. Crack yourself a smile or sing a song. But I keep my love on. Man or woman, man or woman who is so down. Try keep your love on, on. Sons and daughters, sons and daughters of the one true God, keep your love on. Keep your love on, child. Let it shine bright, bright, bright. Keep your love on, 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 on. Don't let it die, don't let it die, don't let it die, no.
die, don't let it die. 